This is Jan Cox, talk number 2,578, recorded September 15th, 2000. I have here sort of a list of short topics, because I have, in the last several weeks since I started writing the Daily News, I had been keeping a separate kind of list next to my, I can no longer say my IBM, <laughs> next to my plastic sissy keyboard on my computer. But I had been, it just, without doing any planning, it struck me that I was going to keep separate topics because I was writing for people around the world, not knowing who they are. And you people here in Atlanta and out on tape, a handful of you I consider to be you know, a whole separate class and it just didn't seem as though the subjects would be intertwined. And yet I was looking, having compiled two or three pages worth, so that I probably won't live long enough to ever write up even the stuff for the web page, I decided, in case they never get used, to at least read them to you and see what I might have to say about them. Also, I thought of, I got a story for you. It just hit me, and I'm making it up. I'm going ahead and say that it happened because it's the kind of thing I mentioned to you before that should happen. And I know it won't. It could have happened. It's literally possible, but it won't happen or I can't wait around for it to happen. There's just no chance. So here it goes. I'm just going to tell you this of what happened. For the first couple of weeks when I was writing that new feature at the tail end, I would put that I wanted to hear, receive some response from the people reading it to know whether they were interested enough for me to continue getting up and writing it every day, something brand new just for them. So I let that go in a couple of weeks. If you've noticed, you've been checking, I dropped it because of the kinds of response I was getting. And finally, what I put a couple of days ago, if you notice at the tail end, instead of I want to hear from you, I put, you know, all you, never mind my previous request, all you idiots quit writing me. <laughs> but here's the thing. Everybody quit writing me. <laughs> yeah, I said, just, just, you idiots, just don't bother writing anymore. No more email. That was the end of it. So. Mm-hmm. By the way, me mentioning keeping what I was saying to you people separate, I know at times I make some comment, such as I, while thinking about what to talk to you about on the way over here, I suddenly saw a sign on a pizza place that said, you know, Jesus likes anchovies and gave me a subject. <laughs> I've, I want to point out, and maybe you people out of town, that I, I don't know, but for all of you, uh, I'm very aware when I'm talking to you of everything I say. They're not slips of the tongue. And sometimes I say things for a reason, and then I later doubt whether the reason got across. No offense to you, but oftentimes I had it, as far as I'm concerned, so deeply, it is so subtle, that I'm not sure anybody gets it. I just want to point out to you that uh, I give, this is, talking to you people is the only thing I take seriously in life. Now, I assume you all know I do not have a serious 
cell in my body having to do with religion or family or nationality or much less. Nowadays, my health. So that is the only thing. Talking to you is it's very serious. And I don't mean in some objective sense. Because if I was dead, you were dead. But if I, if I was dead, it makes no difference to the universe. I don't mean that there's some objective great seriousness and some weight upon me, some great objective responsibility and burden on my back. But I just thought I'd tell you that in case you think that this is just something that I jump in the shower and drive over here. Here's what I have, the ones I pulled off those several pages. A true yet staggering fact. That's the headline. The dumber they are, the greater is their taste for power. This is true not only in the world outside of you regarding other people, but likewise so inside of you regarding your own brain cells. Well, consider it. Ask yourself this. Is it not the most mechanical, parochial, and opinionated neurons who are primarily in control of all men's thinking? Would that take two seconds to go, yeah, you're right. I even had this picture. I don't know whether if I'm ever going to write this for the web page. And plus, I don't know whether I'd add this. But after having said all that, I suddenly had this phrase, like this picture. Stalin's, Papa Joe, Stalin's of the head. Because if I go back and talk about it, I guess I can now. Does anybody get the point? It first hit me, as oftentimes does, as an actual external, as a comment on the world outside of us, the physical world. The dumber they are, the more do they seek, the more do they have a taste for power. Now, in one sense, it doesn't really prove anything, but uh, I can point out again that out in the animal world, talking about uh, in pack animals that instinctively, uh, I'll just say this, there's nothing else to say. I, I still get the very distinct impression I'm correct that if there was such a thing as wolf intelligence that we could really be measured, that it is not necessarily the most intelligent wolves that fight to become head of the pack. It's not required. What you really want is one that is at least not dumb. He's got to be fairly sly, got to be clever as far as a wolf goes. But the main thing is, he's got to be the meanest son of a bitch around. That's who you want running the pack. When it comes to defending the territory and defending the women and the pups in the pack, you want the meanest son of a bitch with some sense. But that's who you want. And I say that if you look around in life, historically, contemporaneously, those are the tastes for power. It is blatantly, I say so, when people take power by force. And there's still, there were dictators alive in you people's, even you young people's lifetime. There's still some going on. There are coups continually going on in certain parts of the world. And you can see the guys on the news or you hear the reports about them. And usually when it's some general that comes up through the ranks or some corporal, whoever it is, some, some soldier, somebody suddenly overthrows a king somewhere in the Middle East or in Africa or South America, <coughs> in some area. And you see the guy. And it turns out 
that he's illiterate. Well, do I have to say him more? You can just see him. You should be able to just take a look when they say, here is the new uh, self-appointed prime minister. If he's really slick or has a good advisor, they go, the interim. That he only took over power because of the corruption of the existing government. And so until they can work things out and have free elections and blah, 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 yada, yada, and I'll dance for your grandmother. You know, until the time being, I have appointed myself king and all-encompassing ruler for life. But just up until we can hold elections and things calm down. At any rate, they show the guy. And the same thing, you look at him and think, God, I hope that he doesn't move next door to me. Or, you know, <laughs> Jesus, I, what if I go on a bus for a long trip, like from here to Akron, and the only seat in the bus was next to him? My God. All right. And I say in, in elective politics, it's not quite as obvious because the, the range is open. That is, people whose taste for power is not as ex extreme as those who would overthrow a government in other circumstances in other parts of the world. But if you look around in government, if you look around in areas for so-called free elections like here, you do not have geniuses who have a taste for power. They simply do not enter politics. And every now and then, it's happening right now, it, they're sitting ducks to members of the press for somebody who wants to criticize them. They can pick out people running for president, people running for senator, the high offices, and catch them making all kinds of misuse of the language, having their facts upside down. It's easy to pick on them and say, well, they're just, they're just empty-headed, as though it was some great discovery. <laughs> now, original statement still holds true. The dumber they are, the greater is their taste for power. That's just a fact. I assume that you now got to just what I'm saying if we're looking at life outside of you, outside of us individually, that when it comes to the physical seizing of power throughout history, the dumber they are, the more they have a taste for power. And all the way to the range, as I said, to where we have now, where we're living in most of the world now, so-called free elections, so that people are not seizing power physically by force, but still those who are interested in power, people who just won't be mayor of Podunk, Indiana, all the way from that to president, people who want power have never been what you would call high rollers in the intellectual category. They simply are not. At any rate, I could make ordinary people fairly educated people, temporarily see that, realize it had some widespread applicability. But, as always, as soon as I said that to myself, or as soon as myself said that to me, or as soon as my mind said that to myself, or as soon as my thoughts said that to me, or as soon as my thoughts said that to what I think to be me, and then I happened to overhear it, somewhere in there is... See, I give you people a choice. And I write that stuff to the public. I just make a statement. And they can like it or lump it. Most of them lump it. That's why I told the idiots to quit writing me. <laughs> I don't know who they think they're fooling with. They don't know, they don't know what idiocy is. <laughs> Trying to write and insult me and correct me. It used to be funny. Now it's just boring. I, I decided not to ask them to write anymore. <laughs> well. Back to us, the individual. I say that 
my statement that the dumber they are, the greater is their taste for power. I say that's true about our brain cells. Now, at first you might recall it that, but, but you're too big to be recalling anyway. Grow up. Cringe, perhaps, but not recall. My God. But let me ask you. Think about it right quick. Leave you and me out for just a second. But just humanity. No, I don't leave you out. I'm sorry. Consider yourself and everyone else. Can you disagree if I point out what primarily controls your mental life? Yours, you should know the answer to this immediately, but it should take you again maybe two seconds to do a quick survey of the history of humanity. Is it not the most mechanical, the most parochial? You know what I mean? Never left the neighborhood, opinionated, prejudiced, small-minded, nationalistic, religious fanatic, die for their mama. You know what well, you know what parochial means. Their view of life, their view of the universe, well, their view of human life could be seen through a pinhole in a piece of paper. Is that not? Is that not? Just under ordinary circumstances, is that not the brain cells collectively, some groups of them, that primarily run your thinking and the thinking of the rest of humanity? And if you have to hesitate to answer that, then you're the rest of humanity. I personally, in the privacy of my own head, I found that really entertaining, humorous, in a useful way. Did I realize, because I'd had views anyway, but realize that in my head, just left to their own devices. And of course, if you're asleep, you're probably like me, when you're more asleep and deluded in some previous time. I'm sure that most of you took yourselves to be fairly swift intellectually insightful, smarter than the average bear. But if you look back now, under ordinary conditions, you, you're not like me. You don't get any sense. Those good old films back on the May Day celebrations at the Kremlin, up there, Papa Joe Stalin, with that frozen little grin on his face, knowing that the man killed personally. He had ordered, I forget the latest figures they've come, was something like, Near 20% of the population of the country, the second largest, at that time, I guess it was the second largest populous country in the world, and he personally ordered the extermination of close to one out of five people, or one out of four people, just because he'd get nervous. He was always afraid that somebody was going to overthrow him. Of course, nobody could really figure out, well, why did he pick out this small village of 300 people out in Siberia? 3,500 miles away from Moscow, why did he destroy the whole village, you know, burn to the ground, everybody killed? And he would just look at him like, are you questioning me? No, 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 you know. We've got to protect the power. Anyway, I picture in my head, co-mingling with those flashes that you grew up with. Again, I assume to yourself that you're pretty smart. You know what is fool. And yet, if you look at your intellectual life, not the life you've actually led, we'll discount that, but the life that you believe that you've led intellectually, your views of life and your arguments you've had with the rest of life and of history, it doesn't strike you that right there behind your forehead, 
There's Papa Joe, that little, the most insincere smile and that little wave of his, which I still find something, I don't know, physically indigenous. To me, it's just exemplary of that kind of intelligence, that kind of mind. But it's this little, it almost looks like, you know, mechanically his hand is just stuck with a suction cup and a spring on his wrist. And there he stands for hours. It takes all these troops to go by. And that, that little grin never leaves. I mean, it's just insincere. It's worse than my best one. And his little hand. Just, that does not strike you as what's going on in people's brains. That it's the dumbest of the cells that are primarily in control. Because that opens. I'm not going into this because it, it's too good. I'll leave this to you. Then that opens this question. Uh, I would suggest, I would think, that only when it comes to the external world that you accept what I described, that is, you accept what is true. It's just dumb asses are the ones who got there and spend their whole life trying to take power and take over some little half-assed country, some little podunk country that's broke already, and yet guys will kill each other, just dying to sit up there on a stage or sit on a throne or to have people address them as your majesty or sir. You think, damn, what a bunch of dumbasses. Did you take that? It just seems understandable. Yeah. I'm not surprised. You wouldn't have somebody with any culture, anyone with any taste, anyone with any real intelligence. You can't imagine Max Planck. Of course, I can't imagine him anyway. But you can't imagine him out there fighting to take over, or Einstein, or Erasmus. It's just it's unthinkable. And so, after that then, but you then, after I take it into your brain cells and say, is that not the same situation that it's obviously? It is the dumbest of a man's brain cells, yours and the whole world's. It's the dumbest of the brain cells that seem to have the greatest taste for power because do they not? The most mechanical, opinionated, small-minded, one-sided Ideas, is that not what, primarily, not a criticism, just the fact that is that not a fair description of who, apparently, as far as brain cells go, leads the history of humanity? And now let's assume that you went along with that and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean, you're right. Here's the good part, I'm going to leave with you. When it comes to people outside, the Stalins and et cetera, as I said, I will go ahead and speak for you that that seems like, yeah, that's what, yeah, seems to make sense. But how does this other make sense? How does it make any sense at all? Why would things be arranged that the dumbest cells are those that naturally seek power? And that's not just an allegory, at least in one case I know of, my own. And you should in yourself. That what we call, just for the time being, what we call being more awake, being enlightened. What I have worked with all my life, my only real interest in life. Put it crudely, my brain, I'm, I'm saying I know this for a fact about me. That's all I can speak of, really. But I now know I have brain cells in operation. Just my everyday brain cells, my everyday views of things, makes my past views, which at the time I considered was more enlightened, even before I ever heard of enlightenment. It was more intelligent, and blah, blah, blah. But I look back now, and they were pinheads. They were, compared to mine now, the ones... 
the basis of my normal operations, the basis of my normal thinking, my Owens were dumb. They were dumber. So there you are. In other words, my natural ones. I had these somewhere in my brain. I didn't go buy them. I didn't get them from some guru. I didn't get them from some teaching. I didn't get them through some drug use. They were there. In some way, I got them fired up or I got them to come up on stage. I got them to, you know, come stand by the throne, get up there at least on the platform of Papa Joe. And once they got up there, it makes Papa Joe, it just shows them up for what he is. A small time Pendergrass. Not a world leader. He's not some man of intelligence leading a country of, you know, Two billion people. He's a ward boss. If he'd been born in a different place, he would have been good if he could have been elected mayor of Cleveland. And I look at my brain cells, and of course I say I can only speak for me. I can sit in the rest of life. And you apply it to yourself. In other words, how can you deny the fact that the dumbest ones were the ones that you were seemed to be born with, them already in power? What if everyone else has the potential that they have brain cells that are a little smarter than the ones that are operating now, the ones that are primarily controlling their life? Why don't they show up? Why don't they hear about such things as this, one way or the other, and go, that those brain cells suddenly wake up a little bit, or those brain cells go, hey, that sounds interesting. And then the person go, hey, what was that in my head? Why am I suddenly interested in this? Why should it be that the dumbest cells in the human brain are the ones with the taste for power and the ones that mechanically, that automatically, as soon as a person becomes conscious, as soon as they begin become responsible, become little human beings, that's the dumb ones. And by the time somebody reaches that classical age of being 12 years old, more or less, they become sort of a little human. That some cultures consider that you're now a little man or a woman, that you... You know right from wrong, you know the truth from lies, and you know what being responsible for your actions are. By then, already, parents, I can see them shake their head, and I can hear them moan, and they don't know why, and their parents did it to them. But suddenly, the kid is no longer cute, somewhere along that, that age. At the same time that the cultures consider that they're grown, up until then, they're cute. Everybody loves the little kids when they're five and six and seven. But they suddenly hit about that age... It's probably getting younger now. But puberty starts to hit. And they start acting like sort of miniature adults. Their parents, nobody wants to say it, but their parents begin to despise them. Because you never notice. You can see it on their face. And it happens before they know it. The kid was cute, five or six, seven, eight. And they're still kind of cute. And then just one day, it's like they went from that to being this rip-roaring you know, atomically fueled shit-ass. Living in the house with them, they can't kill him. They can't go give him away. And there are laws against it. I'm stuck with this person. And you can't beat them up. Like I said, you can't throw them out because they're still, you're legally responsible for them. But suddenly, they're no longer a cute kid. That's what I'm saying. And they're considered, though, well, they're, they're becoming adults. Well, the, like I said, the old classic idea that you reach a certain age in many cultures and some religions, you know, have whole ceremonies that you're now initiated, you know, through circumcision, through being tortured, through being painted and 
putting a tied up in a tree. There's all kinds of things all around the world that at a certain age, the kid, especially the males, but it was considered that you're now, you have the responsibilities of being an adult. You can come out and hunt with us, or you can come into the church with us, into the temple. You can come sit with the older men. You're now responsible. But it's at that same age that the person no longer becomes cute, and they start becoming the reason, one reason that they're considered to be intellectually or moving into intellectual adulthood is they do begin to express opinions. The stronger their opinions, the more adults will go, oh, boy, is he growing up fast. The faster he begins to say that you know, he joins in with his family about how we hate our neighbors, how we hate an adjoining tribe, an adjoining religion. They say, hey, he's beginning to have real intelligence. He's beginning to understand how life is. You know, he's, he's beginning to just you know, be a mushhead. He's having his own little Joseph Stalin. I can see it in his eyes. I just only wish he didn't live here with us, but I can see it. He's becoming a little man. They just don't ever say, yeah, a little madman. <laughs> a little Attila. A little Mussolini. Now, I don't give me a start on him. I wish I had films of him next to one. I always say that Stalin was the greatest, but... Mussolini knew how to do it. He could milk the camera. <laughs> Plus, I like him. He had a short attention span. He wouldn't stand up there for two or three hours watching a parade. <laughs> he would come out and they'd have a parade and he'd look down and give them the old thumbs up and then pose for a picture and split. There is a metaphorical message in there. But how do you explain? I was going to leave it to you. That the dumb cells... Compared to what could be. Now, I assume you see what I'm pointing to. It's not just a theory I'm making up. Compared to what could be is proven by you. I said well, that I could only prove it by me to myself, but you can prove it by you. You know what I'm saying. That we'll assume that most of the rest of the world, somewhere in their brain, they have the ability not to be opinionated, not to be one-sided, not to just automatically hate other people because they have different opinions. They could be more awake. Their view of life could be more tolerant. You don't have to put anything mystically tinged to it, but you just know that that's true. The, well, you know it's true. You can sit down sometimes and meet somebody, a stranger at a coffee shop, and then be spouting some kind of prejudicial hatred to some group or something, and you can talk to somebody and calm them down. You can even point out, you can just say sometimes to somebody, like, hey, you know, everybody's doing their own thing. It's hard to judge other people. You know, who knows what kind of problems they got. And you can take somebody that's a stranger. And many times you can see them look off. It's no big deal. It doesn't change their life. But they know that what you're saying is true. And they go, yeah, you're right. And they'll drop it. So what I'm saying is they have brain cells that have the potential to be, quote, more awake. But they, they're not the brain cells that start out controlling anybody's life. It's the dumb ones. It's the Mussolini's and the Stalin's. It's the baddest... Wolf, the baddest son of a bitch wolf in the pack, is the one that takes charge and seems to control your thinking. Primarily controls it, directs it. Why should that be? Next item. You can't be grandfathered into exemptions, into an exemption in the criminal law, only the civil. 
don't know whether you people want to get into that. I, I don't know who I'm ever going to use that one on. Let me just throw it out to you right quick. I'm not sure. That's been hanging around for one of those things I saw out jogging one day. It just hit me in that way. Uh, I, a grandfather clause. You know, there are two, the law in the Western world. Now most of the world is some version. But we have the civil law and the criminal law. The criminal law is what the state enforces. The state being, you know, that fictitious is the government, what we put up with. The criminal law is the... The state, us, our representatives, pass laws, and then the state enforces them on our behalf. And so if you, in a dispute in the criminal law, it's between you and the state, between you and the laws that you and your neighbors enacted. Because they arrest you for murder, you have to take part of the responsibility for there being a law for murder because you voted for somebody sometime, they went to legislature, and they passed a law against murder. So now the conflict, the argument, is between you and the state. In a civil, in the civil law, the other side of the law, that is covered. They pass laws and et cetera, but it's between individuals. That if a neighbor builds a fence on your property, that's not a crime. The state will not come arrest him, but there are laws against it. That your property is your own and you can protect it. I don't mean physically out there shoot the guy, but it can be protected by the law, which you have to go into civil court and sue the neighbor to make you move the fence. Right, they have grandfather clauses because the legislatures, as you know, to keep these kind of things in operation, they always have to pass new laws or else if they just showed up for work every year and asked for their check and didn't do anything. So, and it's not just that, of course, it's people who get into power got there for one reason. Why? To exercise power. That's why they used to say in South Georgia, I think it was, you know, the legislature only meets, whatever it is, by the Constitution, 16 weeks a year. And they used to say whenever it starts, January the 2nd, it'd say, sometimes the phrase was, it'd get to be like January the 1st, or, and guys would talk and say, well, go hide the women and children and all your horses, the legislature's in session. The reason to be in power is to exercise power, so they continue to pass laws, what I was getting at. And so the civil laws and the criminal laws change. You know, what was a crime years ago is no longer a crime. Sexual things that were a sexual crime in your lifetime in most states, they have changed the law. Adultery was a crime. So they change the law constantly. And many times when they change the civil law, they will put in a grandfather clause. And I won't go into what that means. Well, what it means was that if your grandfather had already done something, they would exempt it. That is, let's say that they changed a zoning ordinance, an area that was mostly rural, and now it's starting to build up, and they want to develop it, and they have zoning, which is civil law, about what can be built. It's to protect neighborhoods originally, to try and keep factories away from houses and that kind of thing. But if an area starts undergoing change, and it's going from residential to commercial, and so they change the zoning laws out in areas that used to be farmland, is now they're wanting to build and houses are getting up close to where the property. And so developers are coming in to do houses, shopping centers. And so they change the law to now allow it. Or it can go the other way to disallow it. But anyway, if somebody's already been in business there and they're going to change the zoning law, they will oftentimes grant a grandfather clause saying, you know, from now on, there can be no more businesses within this lighted area. And they'll you know point out where it is on the map. But they'll say, but this 
anyone who was already in business here prior to 1972 is exempt. So that means you were grandfathered out. If you already had a business there, they will not back up the law usually to do people great detriment that was depending on previous laws. You understand? That you you had been in business there, and usually it has to be a long period of time is where the term grandfather came from. That if they say any business, they pass a law today to change the zoning, they might say, well, anyone who was any business now in operation that was in operation in 1970 or 1960 is exempt from this. So that is, if there's a business out there where they say now there can be no businesses, it's going to be residential only. If there's some guy out there that's got a liquor store or a service station that's been there for 30 years, that's for the grandfather clause. They don't have to name him. They just say anybody that's affected by this law that was that's in business now and was in business in 1970 is exempt from this law. There is no such thing in the criminal law. The law continually changes, but when the law changes, if something was a death penalty offense 20 years ago, and now they decided that it's not worth it or they're just times change, and now, let's say a state abolishes the death penalty, and they've got 10 guys on death row awaiting execution, there's no such thing as a grandfather clause in criminal law. They don't go back and say, well, what was the crime, what was the crime 20 years ago that you that you committed, that you, your act was a crime according to the such and such law of 20 years ago, but we have now changed that law. What you did 20 years ago, today is not even a crime. But they don't go back and turn people loose. You can figure that out for yourself. The first case in the civil law, there's a certain kind of justice to it. It would be just the opposite if you did it with a criminal law, because then you'd have to go back and you'd want to dig up all the people that you'd already executed and say, hey, we changed our mind. There is no such thing as grandfathering your way into an exemption in the criminal law. Even if now what you're seeing on death row, they're going to kill you sometime soon, and the state legislature today passes a new law that the crime you committed is now only punishable at most by 20 years in jail, I guess maybe the chaplain will come and pat you on the back as you cry. But there is no such thing as a grandfather clause when the criminal law has changed. Does anybody know why I even bring that up? I'm not going into it any more than that other than this. Once guilty, always guilty. Huh? Huh? Except for this. That's not true. Next item. I think that's all. Once guilty, always guilty. You understand what I meant? That being asleep is not a civil matter. Speaking allegorically, it's a criminal matter. And so there's no way to go back now and say, well, back when I got in that big row with my, my uncle, my father, and I didn't speak to him for 20 years. Uh, I don't know. I guess I got over it. I can see. I can see now that perhaps my view was too harsh. Not the position I took in the argument. Maybe he was under stress. Turns out he was sort of sick. I thought he was being just totally unjust the way he treated me. I don't know. Maybe I should rethink it. There's no such thing as grandfathering your way into an exemption in the criminal law. And I say that being asleep is a crime. It's not a civil offense. And therefore I say, here it is. 
Once guilty, always guilty. There's no way to go back now and weasel out of it. That's it. You can't decide, well, I was asleep when I did that, or I've been asleep for the last 20 years. No matter how I call it, I have been asleep. I've been living in a dream. And then you gradually think, well, maybe it wasn't that bad. No! I say once guilty, always guilty. I want that clear, except the other part that I added in, that that's not true. That's why I thought I would go ahead and stop on a nice, clear, well, it was clear to me, <laughs> a nice, clear, straight ahead. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at jancox.com, where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest, or just leave us a message.